You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. I actually made it. Welcome, and Justin Pearson. What's up, friends? Hey, hey. On the show this week, we will review the first Coke Series race of the 2023 playoffs and see who has punched their ticket to the Final Four. We discuss all of the ways iRacing is celebrating and reminiscing their 15th anniversary, and we'll check out a rig built for a king. And remember, you can follow along with all of us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. topics with the kind of maybe one of the hottest names in iRacing, though I called my shot this time saying he wouldn't win this one, SVG, but he's practicing on the ovals, isn't he, Mike? Well, he ran a truck race at, uh, this weekend and and then obviously the, the, the road course race, but Casey Tucker posted up on, uh, on this week on the Twitter that you know, remind everybody, you know, Shane's been around for a long time and he put up a screenshot of Shane in a South Boston oval race for trucks uh, back in 2012. And so he's been a long time member, you know, talk about 15 year anniversary. You know, Shane's been around since the early years. And so I kind of hoped, you know, when people in the media would ask Shane Van Gisbergen, about his oval experience, he didn't refer to his experience in iRacing at all uh, when he answered those questions. He'd be like, this is the first time, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, he's been oval racing for a long time, for more than a decade. And that time is a no slouch time, uh, going all the way back to 2012. Well, I think his uh, oval eye rating, when I was racing him, uh, it was like two, three years ago, it was around 3,000 something and i think he's at five thousand something if i'm not mistaken that is correct uh he was in one of i think he was in michigan with us i don't remember yeah and so anyway i just a shout out to svg hey don't forget to you know your iRacing does count as experience (laughs) it does and uh i've talked about it several times when i did the the um, just the, the Rusty Wallace experience. It was once I got about two or three laps in, I could almost forget I was in a real car. It just felt just like the sim. Well, and then there's all the different, you know, race control, lucky dogs, double file restart, you know, you know, overtime, NASCAR overtime, you know, there's all these different rules that, uh, you know, somebody who's not a regular would not know. And, and, and so 
it wasn't really his first NASCAR oval race and the fact that, you know, he already knew how all that worked. Add to that the racecraft in oval racing and, and surviving and just even, especially if you're racing in official servers where it's even, well, the truck, the truck races have been pretty hairy. They're almost like being on. I was pretty impressed by him in the truck race. I, it was like I texted in the chat. You know, he was ripping it three wide on the outside. First time on it. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it was a long way around, and it almost looked like he was passing a lot of cars, but he really wasn't because they would catch back up on, you know, uh, on the on the corners. But you're right; he was right up on the wall, just tearing it up. But he took care of the car and 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 didn't make any mistakes. And there wasn't a lot of cautions for him to really, you know, kind of leapfrog up into you know some more spots, you know, when he needed them. Well, you might say he he let the pain never start, right? But that brings us to the next topic, which is stop the pain. It's a video from uh, Daniel Morad, and he's talking about five areas that you can improve your comfort while sim racing. And I got home just in time to watch kind of the first half of this. And th the interesting thing is he was talking about foot pain as he suggested not driving with shoes. And I agree, but... Only if you don't have hydraulics, because the hydraulics are so heavy, you drive through the fill, not through the, through the, through the kind of positioning. And I know that on the lighter load cell pedals, it was kind of necessary to go socks. Um, and and then he pointed out a couple of things that if you're, if the, the pedals are too far back, that can cause ankle pain. And if if they're too far in as well, or if they're leaning straight up too much and, and don't have enough angle, he pointed out that you can be getting calf pain if they're too far away from you. And then he got on, he moved on to knee pain, talking about the alignment. My experience with knee pain also is that when I had the load cell pedals, because I was having to lift my leg up to control uh, my trail braking, that would cause me a lot of knee pain that I've never had since I got the hydraulics. Uh, then he started to move on to, to lower back pain and I didn't really get, get that much further into it. Yeah. And hand pain. Um, that's the one I was interested in because I actually have an issue even at, well, at road courses where my left hand will basically go numb. And so what Daniel Morad said is, it's that death grip. You know, you're hanging on for dear life. You're trying to control the car. You're overdriving. You got to relax, relax that grip. And um, I, I try to do that to fix the problem, but I still end up with a dumb hand. So I, I don't know how to fix it. What really helped me is I rotated my seat back on my lower back pain. It makes it more comfortable and it helps me with my legs to use more of my quad to push the brakes. The big difference maker for me was when I got the Sparco seat instead of sitting in an office chair, my, in the office chair, my tailbone would go numb, not really, more than my lower back. And if you got a proper bucket seat that distributes the weight more evenly, you don't run into that issue. I liked his idea of lumbar support. I mean, that's something that my most racing seats don't have. They really don't have anything kind of sticking out. And I was thinking about adding one. Mine came with a couple of little pouches that you can put wherever you want that are Vel Velcro to the back. Justin, next up, we've got Indy cars at North Wilkesboro. Yeah, Team I5G posted a video of his Indy race at North Wilkesboro with his JFK voice spotter. And I, I just seen parts and bits of this real quick. It just seems chaotic. 
Well, the funny part for me is the spotter. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of jarring to, you know, to hear John F. Kennedy, you know, famous president, uh, you know, calling car to the inside, car to the inside. You know, I, don't, I can't do the voice. I cannot. But it, it's very distinct. Um, it's got that Kennedy sound. It actually sounds like the current presidential ca candidate, RFK Jr., um, he, he, he's got that real raspy voice, but there's a, there's a, a, a tone to it or a, a, a cadence. There's a cadence to the way they talk and they actually talk very similar and you can definitely hear and, and sounds like, you know, the ex the president. <laughs> so I, it gave me ideas like, well, Hey, you know, if we can make JFK a spotter, what how about a, how about a Marilyn Monroe spotter? Yeah, Marilyn Monroe. Like, what celebrity or what famous person would you want if you could hire somebody to to program the spotter for you, kind of thing? Because it can't be easy. You have to go back into you know probably video footage, audio footage, and find these people talking and try to grab words one word at a time, kind of thing, and try to find the right words. It it, it must be hard. I wish Larry McDaniel, McDaniels had a spotter. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having either like Mike Bagley or Dave Moody, to be honest. Or even Junior. He'd be cool, too. Yeah. Or uh, if you want to go back into the into the archives, which has been neat, if you if you listen to the download and they've been covering the 79 season, going back and hearing Barney Hall's coverage, it'd be neat to hear him on there as well. Well. You guys know the NASCAR launched a new website, classics.nascar.com, this week. Basically, 75 classic races you can stream for free. Is that the TV coverage or the radio coverage? I think it's the TV, but it's like, uh, you know, one from every year kind of thing. Well, there's a talking about iconic voices. We also have iconic eye racing moments, or at least that's what Kevin Lindbergh is asking about in the forums, which, which he thinks, what are your most iconic eye racing moments? And he mentions um, something about, I have to scroll back up, the wop, bop, bop moment from 2017, which I don't recall. I didn't either. I had to go find the video for that. It was really stupid, so I didn't grab the link. It was just like some guy's stream, and... He got wrecked and he started going bop, 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 or something like that. And it was kind of funny. But the other people on this thread, they throw in Grand Theft Abbas. And I do remember that. I remember, I don't remember if it was a Malik Ray um, won a race and just jumped up while the car was still rolling out of his rig. I don't know if it was Malik, but it was a group of people racing in a, uh, you know, a team race. And this guy named Abbas Laddock was part of the team or was going to be on the team, but didn't get make the cut. But they still left him programmed in the high racing. And so they're, they're in the middle of the race and they get out to fuel the car. The guy doesn't immediately jump in, but guess who does? Abbas Laddock, the guy who they didn't want on the team. He actually was in the server and jumped into the car. And basically, once he, you know, the person's in the car, they're in it until they get out of it. I don't think you can remove them unless they're sitting static in pit road. Um, so he took off out of pit road and 
and they're yelling at him over the comm hey what are you doing you know blah 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 and so they had a stream or a video of this as well and so it exploded and kind of went viral and uh yeah if you want to laugh go google grand theft abyss yeah what i was talking about was a totally different moment when an old guy went an oval race and then just jumped out of the rig to celebrate while he was while the car was still rolling oh yeah i remember that uh other people mentioned gregor hutu's utter domination would be an iconic uh moment in sim racing a negative iconic moment was Grassgate, or the uh or the other spa 24 where there was a no incident limit I think the watershed moment for sim racing was COVID when uh, iRacing exploded as far as membership numbers. In fact, we have a story later in the show about that specifically. But I think an iconic moment was NASCAR couldn't go racing due to this health epidemic, pandemic, and, and, and so they turned to iRacing and they broadcasted on the you know box and nbc and whatever to to kind of fill the time because they have obligations to sponsors and this and that and 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 so and then iRacing took off after that you know with as far as membership numbers a cool moment what any other moments you guys want to bring up i didn't That's all I, I, think I think i mentioned all of them i saw in the forum post yeah I'm still kind of new to the to the sim. I'm I'm. This is like my new. I, I'm watching this Coca-Cola series, and this is kind of blowing my mind while watching it. Well, the probably the most iconic moment maybe might be when it all started, and the, so the next topic actually is what were the first cars in iRacing 15 years ago. And on public release, there was USAC Silver Crown Formula Mazda Radical V8 or SR8 V8 late model stock car, which was which is the Chevrolet Monte Carlo SS, the SK modified Skip Barber Formula 2000 Legend car, and Pontiac Solstice. So they they didn't they didn't even have a cup. Well, they didn't really have any of the National Series cars at that point. When you bought into it back then, you were buying into a much different service than it is today. I mean, Justin, when you bought in, how many different cars and tracks were there that you could run without buying additional? Quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I jumped, I kind of jumped straight into it, though. I was always a NASCAR fan, so I went to the stock cars and just kind of worked my way up from there. But there was a lot of content. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, When I joined... I remember specifically there was a special, a Watkins Glen special. Like, I think it was a new t- release, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess it was a new track when I was joining. And you like sign up for three months and get Watkins Glen free or something like that. That's what I remember. I remember not all the ovals were available yet uh, once I got in. And uh, you couldn't fast track back then. I had. I started in R Factor and then started to try out iRacing and and worked my way up and and I did promote every season and I'm pretty sure it was the car of tomorrow at the time. Yeah, I finally had to purchase my first track, Watkins Glen, since I built my new sim because I started when COVID first hit and then took it, then went through a season, then took about a two year break or. 
yeah, two year break, a year and a half. And so, yeah, I, I had a lot of content before. Now I want to digress a little here, David, because I did have a post at the very top for the Coke race and it's not there, at least on my screen, it's not, but I'm going to try to do it from memory. Uh, so, uh, we had a Coke race at Michigan and, um, uh, Garrett Lowe won the race. Um, it was exciting. It, it kind of got, I, you know, Justin, I don't know how to describe it. You described it very well. At the end, it, it kind of degenerated. Is that the right it, word? Yeah, it got, it got real sloppy. I mean, sloppy. It, yeah. <laughs> they, everybody got desperate at the end and it just kind of ruined it. It was real good racing. I thought, uh, before then. Well, as long as they weren't wrecking, right? I mean, three and four wide and on these restarts, sometimes five wide. But at the end, like you said, when it was sloppy, there were people going down on the apron, literally the below the yellow, down on the apron to make it five wide. And sometimes, and at one point, I think they were five wide all the way around the track for a lap. Um, but what would happen for these cautions would be like they would get four wide and the the third one from the bottom would would get squeezed as they get to the corner because people would try to arch up you know they're four wide but they try to arch up and get back you know as to to dive into the corner and they bump the car and then you know chaos ensues well the package in michigan is meh, you know i don't know i didn't particularly enjoy it because it was so drafted dependent michigan's like just a drive over each other Michigan's like an asphalt dirt track. You can pull sliders and people sometimes overcommit. And that's just what ends a lot of people's races. Yeah. Um, it's long, the only good thing there was that long runs, you you could actually make progress. But any of the short runs, it, it definitely was going to be chaos. So at the end, there was a really dirty move. Um. I'm trying to remember the driver. I think it was Garrett Mains uh, coming on new tires. And he uh, wrecked Keegan Leahy. Basically, the leader got taken out is what it boiled down to. Are you, I kind of remember that. But I thought Leahy blocked a little too much. I think he blocked more than once. Yeah, so, and also NASCAR and NBC put up a nice little uh, one minute, 30 second uh, review of the race, the, you know, highlights. And I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, Michael Guest was involved in a bunch of those and he was a playoff driver. Yeah, here's the part about Keegan Leahy. It was Ryan Luza in second. He got into Keegan Leahy, bump, trying to bump him to, for the win kind of thing. Uh, he, there was a caution and they had the NASCAR overtime, but Garrett Lowe gets it done. And so that punches his ticket into the playoffs. They're taking four drivers and he's automatically in with this win. So they only take, is it, they only take four. There's just a final race or is there a round of eight? No, they, it's not like NASCAR where there's several rounds. They go right into the final four. And so they'll go to the NASCAR hall of fame in Charlotte for the final race, the top four, uh, like last year, and it'll be televised probably and all that. It'll be cool. I was entertained even though it was a sloppy race because I wanted to see, you know, I the racing all year has been 
taken up a notch, so to speak. But with the playoffs on the line, you know, trying to get into the top four and go for the win, you know, people are even more desperate. So. All right. Well, we'll jump back on the little history thread that we had going. Um, Robin Trussell, he chronicles the last three years in iRacing since the pandemic boom. Yeah, these are the numbers I was kind of talking about. And he's got a bunch of, uh, he's got a screenshot here that shows how many uh, unique members ran in the 2023 season two. And it's 110,000 even. Season one, 110,566, pretty equal. Uh, 2022, um, season 302,000, then 108, and then down to 100 uh, as you go backwards in time. So what else did he notate here? Well, what's most notable is that they have not shrunk since, since the COVID boom. In fact, they're continuing to grow. Yeah, it's it's a flat growth, though. A little bit of growth, not a lot, right? There's a lot more affordable product out there, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of neat to see these numbers and to see uh, what's going on with it. All right, next we have the what's known for the three season four build po thread posted. Coming soon. What week are we in? I, I don't even know. I'll check while you are looking it over. Okay, so let's start with Kern County Raceway Park, which is a, a story later in the script where we have screenshots that were put out this week on social media of the track. Um, this is in California, I think outside Bakersfield, and they call it affectionately KCRP for Kern County Raceway Park. Looks like the definition of a bullring. Yeah, there's a paved oval and dirt oval as a single purchase. I remember we talked last week about Xandervort too, because you tried to toss it to me to read off the script while I was driving. Yeah, full rescan there. Completely separate track from the current one. But the current one's not going away. It'll be a, an option within the build, I believe. One of those one that you can select. We know IMSA's going to class A. We yep. know the ESS series is going to the GTE Sprint Class B. Yeah, and we talked about that in detail lately. It just it just makes sense because there's not really a difference in the in the cars with ESS and IMSA anymore. Whereas the 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 difference used to be GT3 versus GTE, and that's gone now. Um, and by the way, on the week we are in week ten, so we got two weeks left. All right, it's going to get busy here. Uh, implied content was two more GTP cars. Remember, they showed kind of a silhouette of them. We thought they were the Acura and the Porsche. Graphical updates to older tracks, um, 3D curbs, and then you're into the maybe list, and I don't think we're going to go through that. What do you think, Rain? We'll ask one more question. Is Rain going to be in it? <laughs> I say this every build, don't I? Not season four, I don't think. But if they wait till season one, is that too close to the 24 to be effectively used for that? Doesn't season one really kick in more like December? It's not all the yeah. way in January. So they they still have quite a few weeks before the, the 24 actually happens. I didn't get the impression that they were going to release it this build, you know, as they talked about it in the Peachtree event and so forth. Don't you remember when uh, Dynamic Sunlight came out? 
when the moving sun and you could actually transition from day to night came out that came out in a season one build and it was we got to run quite a few pretend races with all those features before it was time for the daytona 24 right all right, next up, we, we're still in the it's history kick, I guess, being anniversary and all. So we have the anniversary credits. And that looks like iRacing. Yeah, iRacing's offering iRacing credits for each year you've been an active member to celebrate their anniversary. Have these been credited yet? Because I haven't gotten a little pop-up. I haven't seen it. I haven't looked either. I don't think the new UI pops up like the website does. Hey, what new UI? I still use the Data website UI. Yeah, you get a pop up on the website. Look, I I told you guys I was leaving the website for good when, and I did. I haven't used it unless I have to. Um, but I've been using the beta UI. I just checked. I haven't got no credits yet. Well, ironically, that beta UI, and we should call it a beta UI because it's going away now. We'll just have to call the next one the gamma UI. So it says right here in the tweet, August 26th. So that's next Saturday, a week from Saturday. So on that day, you have to be an active member. And then if so, they will give you the credit. Now, didn't we just say that Kern is confirmed now? Because our, our next topic says it's a possibility. Well, this is their teaser. Um, but it's if you look at the replies in the tweet, people are, are sure this is Kern County Raceway Park. And so, uh, yeah, so I think this is pretty much confirmation. Because how many places on Earth have a dirt oval right next to the pavement oval? And why is one turned one way and one turned the other? That's kind of weird. Wouldn't you want them, like, kind of equidistant or the, uh, going the same way or something? It probably just has to do with how the land had to lay out. The zoning and all how that. How it fits, huh? It looks like a neat track. Um, I wonder if they've ever done a crazy event where like a driver has to switch between an asphalt and a dirt car, like a biathlon kind of thing. You know, the, the pavement one actually looks like there's some banking to it. And the dirt one looks very flat. There's a forum post as well that talks about this, uh, this teaser and uh, people in there also saying Kern County. Now, All right. Well, look at the dirt track, uh, David. One more thing: in the middle of the dirt track, it, it actually it, the infield. If you look closely, that's actually a small oval as well for micros. So a dirt oval within a dirt oval. It's very cool. And then next up, we, I was about to jump on, um, and you, but no big deal. Uh, we have the World of All Outlaws late models. Uh, Kendall Tucker, he holds off charging Evan C to take week six of the World Outlaws late model series at I-55 Speedway. Um, and this jumps him to second in the points. C continues his podium finish streak, uh, dating back all the way to the start of last season, and has extended his comfortable points lead, which is... Um, at a glance, well, it's 450, and then the next person down is 381. So, like, that's 70 or yeah, 69 points, I guess. Yeah, that's a bunch. I missed it. He's definitely dominating. Uh, I, I don't really get to watch any of the live races, uh, but um, obviously, with the reports in here, and now we know how well he's doing. <laughs> 
You know, I've I've been so busy. Sometimes I'm kind of feel like I've been floating, Justin. Yeah, David. Uh, Ken Dent noticed some floating fans at Coda. Staffer Michael Hinkle Hinkle replied that a few extra fans appeared in the graphics options crowd to set too high, because this is not a default setting for any of the pre-made graphic configs. It looks like most users haven't seen it yet. And he's got a picture here. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like they're hovering. Now on the like side 20, from the fence, feet up. And the, on the side from the fence, it looks like they're just kind of standing on the fence. But the other angle, yet yeah, they're just floating over the grass. Whoops! It's one of those things that can just kind of slip through the cracks, especially if it's uh, some weird settings. All right, this one, David, is the one I was looking for before with about the stats. This one has got some very interesting stats. So this is the user count um, going through all the way back, really, to uh, 2010 when they were at about 50,000 users. Um, and the signups per, is that signups per day? I, it, it's kind of blocked out a little bit there. Yeah, I think that's what it means. The second one, it, the graph is the cool one. Look at the blue spike at uh, June of 2020. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that is the signups per day. So there were there was definitely a large sign up in 2020. But but what we were talking about it, I mean they're not growing as they're they don't have that spike, but what they what they haven't had, if you look at the member count, they have there there hasn't been a fall. It's continued to go up. You know, it didn't spike as fast as 2020, but it hasn't stopped growing. Um before COVID, people leave iRacing. I mean, you're insinuating that people leave iRacing. Well, everybody was thinking that a lot of people were leaving. I guess after the after it goes, but even the the growth rate is is still huge compared to what it was before COVID. If you look at 2019, which was the last one, really clearly before COVID, though I guess March 2020, a lot of people were still out and about too. Um, but that's when when a lot of the shutdowns were starting. Twenty uh, nine September second, twenty nineteen, the average per day signups was one eighty seven. After COVID, it it's never dropped below two ninety two, and all the way in twenty twenty two, there was a four twenty seven jump and a three sixty five jump. So it's it's still growing faster than it did pre COVID even after everybody's back in the real world. Well, is it an exponential thing once you get so many? It's like a snowball rolling down the hill. One stat that jumped out at me, David, if you look at the 450,000 member mark was just before COVID, March of 2020. Um, and then compare it to today or August 9th, 2023 at 929,000. That's roughly double. It's over and so we've doubled in just three years. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned. Sorry, David. You mentioned that spike, Mike. There in June, uh, I was that spike. That's exactly when I started. That's when I just ran a ridiculous amount of races because we got sent home from school after spring break and didn't go back until September. Then uh, at the end of the summer, and some places like in California stayed down for a year. 
there was so much going on with iRacing then the podcast i was going nuts trying to keep up with it uh we had nascar invitational we had indy cars we had imsa drivers running there were broadcasts on television for all these things and it was just crazy and then like all these people jumping into service you know new you know we had this huge rookie crop kind of come in and we're also just i mean we're kind of sort of gen x is really the first gamer generation but now everybody's gamer and sim sims are just big the you add that you have that snowball effect and just the fact that it has become mainstream now and i mean schools have esports teams even our, our little small town has an esports team so there's just a lot of a lot of factors that are allowing them to really boom in growth now david i'm gonna jump in here there's also a, some other missing stories here i'm gonna try to do those from memory motorsports games is a company who holds the nascar exclusive license and basically it's come out today well this week i should say that motorsports games is losing that license that they will indeed no more be making any kind of nascar game whatsoever but that's all we know that's the only fact that's out there now their earnings call that was postponed is going to be rescheduled i think i heard august 23rd and and we're going to know more then um now the other thing that that came out of this was the indycar game is still going to be with motorsports games and they're looking at a early 2024 release and the people that are building that game is um, a group known as motorsports games australia and it's a separate group from the regular group that's been failing completely and they're actually getting stuff done now with that being said i also read that the game will only be single player not multiplayer it won't have any kind of uh championship or season or anything like that it'll just be a car and some tracks and you can race that just has to be the absolute worst deal a, a sanctioning body could have ever signed well if nascar can get out of it why can't indycar get out of it that's what i would ask well the the restrictions were not the same right because uh it's a totally different contract they um motorsports couldn't block us from broadcasting anything on a cup car whereas they can with with this indy car but if um, it's gonna be I, I don't understand why they could hold on to that part provision of it when there's not going to be any multiplayer i guess streaming single player is interesting too um okay i found some of the the deleted emails here that had it um some information let me bring those up so mike straw or if you look on twitter he's at mike straw media he uh he did a podcast live stream yesterday with insider gaming um and he uh, you know, he's a regular media member okay and so that's why this is a a fact okay that's why people are saying it's a fact because he's reporting it as fact and it says it's now public that nascar has cut all exclusive video game rights with motorsports games and have multiple studios tba working on projects tba so 
It was also announced this week that uh, a group called Game Mill, I think it was, put out NASCAR Arcade, some kind of arcade game. The only thing NASCAR about it is a logo on the box. I mean, it was it's race cars on fantasy tracks. They don't have drivers. They don't have paint jobs, you know, but it looks kind of fun. But uh, so there's that. But that's separate from what these people are talking about. So they're saying that um, they have multiple studios working on, you know, console games. Now, the big question is for us is iRacing slash Monster Games one of those people, one of those groups? We'll find out. I think I want them to be. I mean, I think it would be really good for iRacing. Look, what have we been talking about the whole show? Growth, uh, sustainability. How can this thing continue? How can it go to the next level? Well, this is it, I think. If you could get a, a, you know, an iRacing console game i think it would be great i mean they did so well with the world of outlaws you don't hear anything bad about world of outlaws console game nothing that, i don't hear nothing <laughs> yeah that increases the market share and i remember talking when we first came on the show when nascar heat was out even though it wasn't so great uh some, some of our old members were we're still kind of in favor of it because of the the accessibility that it gives to consoles is almost maybe possibly a gateway to iRacing. Now, I watched a video, a couple videos, the Mike Straw one, and then Darian Gilliam, who's kind of a NASCAR Twitter celebrity. He did one. Uh, anyway, he said that motorsports games isn't going anywhere they're just not doing nascar anymore they're still got the british touring company license they still have the lamar license they still have the indycar license and all those things are still moving uh here's what it says about the indycar it says the game is still being worked on and plans to be launched around mid-quarter 2024 around the daytona 500 week the game is made by Cartcraft team, also known as Motorsport Games Australia. So they made a game called Cartcraft. Apparently, I don't, I've never heard of it, but apparently, it's not too bad. Well, we're all getting excited, but it, it sucks to kind of hear that the the indie part is still going on because it really it it's just it's just lame what it's done to the indie community in iRacing. Now, remember, there's been a date floated of September first. That's probably some kind of date when the when the exclusivity contract ends or something would be my guess or something like that. But as somebody pointed out in that video, uh, August 23rd is the, uh, the earnings call with the investors and, and they can't go into that call and not mention anything about the NASCAR license. They're going to have to say something about it because it would be, uh, it would be bad if they didn't for their investors. They have to be upfront and with, uh, on what's going on with their business. Yeah, and that announcement was September 30th, I think, not, not first. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, lots going on. All right, if we're ready to jump back on script, we've got events coming up. Uh, BMW M Sim Cup. It's, uh, it's got iRacers from around the world against one another on a legendary racetracks. It's competing from the behind of the wheel of the BMW M Hybrid. 
VAGTP as well as the GT3. It's running Sunday. Um, actually, yeah, this Sunday's M Cup event sends racers to Fuji Speedway. You can team up with one other driver for a 120-minute multi-class team race and see if you have what it takes to take the podium. And that covers all the events and wraps up our topic section. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord and to get involved in the discussion and check out our website, iRacersLounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, Justin, give us a quick rundown on the fantasy results and standings. Yeah, David. Um, it looks like there was a tie for first, Trick Dickel and Mud Dog. Then a tie for third, Boats and Hose and Chris Bates. Then fifth place, Canadrian. Then sixth place is I, Justin Pearson. Then NASCAR Jedi for seventh, Lumpy 68 for eighth. Ninth, Boozers Motorsports. And Mackenzie Steven, our own Mackenzie Stevens at tenth. Nice. So what surprises you guys at the Indy Road Course? I thought Kobayashi was going to win or run good, but I think that was my surprise was he didn't run great. Well, some of that comes down to the so few cautions, not allowing them to get bunched back up. But I, I said the ringers were not going to have such an advantage here because it's not the street course where there's absolutely no forgiveness. All right, um, you you have they can kind of run off off the track a lot more and get away with a lot more. And they've run here; they have notes on it, and the drivers have experience here. And those those guys can learn pretty quick. And they're used to road courses more than street courses. And there is a difference when you're running a road course. If you go off track, especially when you're not counting incidents, no big deal. Whereas you go off track at Chicago, you're done. And Chase coming at the end, uh, he blamed Rockefeller for blo- for blocking him and Luke making him lose that race. McDowell just put on a stellar performance. He deserved that this story in that whole race was just cool. I really liked it. So the fact that does it make it better that we were at the road course and could have that type of underdog victory? Whereas when, when it was at the oval, it was pretty much always only your championship contenders that could win. Yeah. I think I think with this cookie cutter design with the cars, I think it makes the road courses more even than the other courses and then the other types of driving. I think, what matters is if they can fill the stands. If they have a bunch of empty stands, it just looks weird. That's why we left, right? It was empty stands. Now, Watkins Glen is next. Uh, you know, I expect Chase to be on on point, you know. He was coming at the end there and on Michael McDowell, but didn't have enough. And, uh, you know, is he going to get it done this weekend? Desperation time. Everybody definitely considers it his best shot, other than I guess a, a road course. I mean, a, a, a super speedway. But that's more of a Which of a. We also shoot. have coming. 
I think <laughs> he's going to. I think Chase is going to be the fastest Hendrick car. All right. Uh, overall league standings, it's now Canadian on top. Team Duan, North South Racing in third, Trick Dickel, and NASCAR Jedi, Jedi two in fifth. One thing that maybe go in favor of the Hendrick cars is Watkins Glen is a different road course than any of the others. It's often called the super speedway of the road courses because it's so many more high speed. Uh, it's just so much more high speed and not as many sharp corners, right? Even even turn one is not not that hard of a corner. There's no there's there's no horseshoe or U-turn of any kind. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. It's time to talk some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford. Opening up with the Apex Sim Racing Dash. And um, this looks kind of similar to what you get with the DSD designs a lot. They're attached, they attach to the base, right? Yeah. Yeah, they hook to the base and they jut out of each side left to right. Huge dash, you know, you got buttons on either side. Um, Apex has made these traditionally before for, you know, Fanatec Podium and so forth. Now they have it available for the uh, CSL DD. And so if you have a CSL DD, uh, you can partake of this particular unit if you want. It takes up a lot of space. You have to commit to something like this, okay? You can't have separate button boxes and this. There's just not enough room. But I you know, really like my iPhone to be right where on the left side of the dash. I have a holder for it. You know, this it wouldn't work with this particular item. Yeah, you'd have to run your uh, overlay on the monitor instead of there. Um, for VR, it's great. I mean, I have the DSDs, and they're yeah there's not room for any more button boxes but you don't really need more room just about can program everything and i mean when i'm running i have controls for jrt i have controls for crew chief to tell it to do different things uh as well as all, all the default fuel settings cut cut fuel uh add just enough to finish the race two two tires four tires clear the tires clear everything if you're serving a penalty you know so you can just about cover it all any regrets? No, no, they were they weren't great. Uh, they just and the design I picked has been just what I needed. And ironically, they I actually use them when I'm doing the flight sim as well because I um, I've got I've got a Hotas now instead of instead of the little cheap stick. But there's still so many uses for all the extra buttons. Wow, five hundred bucks. Now that's more than DSD, I think. Not much, not much. Like one side on the DSD was in the 200s somewhere. Yikes. What do you right, think? This is... you like a big O dash or? Yeah, no. I I love, I don't know if I like that big old dash necessarily. I just like the buttons in general. Like I've said before, you know, I built my own button box and 
it's helped me manage races so much. I'm not, I'm not clicking, grabbing stuff, trying to figure things out. You know, I just hit a button and it's easy. I recommend a button box to anybody. All right. I wish I had had time to watch this one because, uh, you know, well, I'm happy with my VR, but it's always neat to see what, what else is out there. And the Pimax Crystal has had a lot of buzz lately. Um, and on our header, it says that uh, Carl Gussling reviews it and says, great optics, but dot, dot, dot. So when it works, it's great. It's great. You know, great optics, great screens, but he can't make the dang thing work. I mean, Carl's point is, is 2023, you buy a product for this much money. You should be able to plug it into your computer and hear the little USB sound and it connect. Well, that's exactly what it wouldn't do. He tried it on his computer downstairs. It wouldn't connect to any of his USB ports, nothing. Tried it on his gaming computer upstairs. He could get it to work only if he unplugged every USB device except the keyboard and the mouse. And he had to move it around until he found one particular USB port to get it to fire. And then it was still intermittent. It would only come up for a bit and then he would lose it. So he struggled with uh, the demo. Uh, and he's, you know, he's pretty blunt about what he thinks about it because of that. I mean, the software was crappy, it's super big. Uh, it doesn't really have any advantage over his normal G2 is what he basically said. So it's a, it's a no, don't buy it. Yeah. I'm happy with the G2. Uh, it, I've gotten it figured out how to make it, uh, basically work all the time instead of coming on blank. I used to have trouble with it booting up sometimes, but as long as I, uh, make sure that I, I go in a certain order on opening certain software as well as uh, turning it on and off with the with a switch that also turns the lamp on that I use to light the room, it's been running great. And I talked about last week how I've, how I've discovered the clear tracking data, which has also drastically improved the tracking on it. Um, and you, it's strong enough that you don't get a screen door effect. Uh, I remember the screen door effect, especially from the original Oculus. That's pretty well gone. Uh, and the it does have a sweet spot, but I run the little fi fixed foveated rendering as well. Uh, so um, it, it gets the job done, especially the stronger of a VR you get, the more of a PC you're going to have to get to get the same, v same uh, frame rate anyway. The other thing he didn't like was even though you got to have the thing cabled to use it with a cable, you still have to run a battery or a battery pack in it. And that was very annoying for him. What do you think of the flex on the next rig, Mike? <laughs> this was interesting. It's called the King's Rig. And title idea. The Petty Museum uh, put up a tweet that has the King's 1970s version of an iRacing simulator. And you can actually see it in the Petty Museum. And they got Richard sitting in it, checking it out. Uh, some pictures of him uh, trying it. Now, did he actually use this back in the day? I don't know if he actually did or not. But uh, it's a metal seat. It's got the STP red on it. It's got the sticker as well uh, that he's known for. Um, 
and it's got a little thing coming up the middle where it's got a, a steering shaft, a, a short one with a big old round steering wheel on it. But that's it. No pedals or anything. That one has uh, imaginary reality, probably, instead of virtual reality. Yeah, something the kids would love to play with that, right? Back when we had imagination. Is that a thing? With our generation, it was. Is that Could this be the first simulator ever? Maybe. All right, next up, the title is It Is Finished. What do we got here, Justin? Yeah, John, uh, Racecraft Simulations has put a final touches on his personal rig, and this thing just looks phenomenal. This would be my dream rig. Like, <laughs> uh, it's so cool. It's loaded is the, is the word, right? I mean, you name it, he's got it. He's got butt kickers. He's got belts. He's got belt police. He's got sound. He's got window net thing. Now, do you think the size of screens are too big for scale? I don't think so. I don't think you, like I said in the last few weeks, I don't think you can get too big on these screens. I mean, it, as long as you position the rig at the right distance from it, it, it should all work out visually. I mean, we've got examples of the giant wraparound screens, right? And we don't complain about it on those. I think these are those 40, I think he said 43 inch. And these are those really nice, uh, I forget the name of them, but they're super expensive. They're like a grand each. He's got that huge Porsche dash, that real big one that goes behind the wheel. Um, got this massive race tech seat, which is more of a race seat, not a a sim seat. And then he's got the Simi Cube Ultimate. Yeah. The active pedals, too. Holy cow. He's got a pretty neat fan system which is a neat design I've never seen before. It's like a computer fan blowing up into a, a vent that shoots out towards you. It's weird. It's clean looking. That uh, handbrake, I think that's the Octane. That's now I think Donnie said he was going to buy the Octane sequ uh, sequential. I kind of, I kind of wonder. I've got the, you know, the Fanatec working, but it never switches to age pattern, and I'm kind of fine with that. So it's an almost ain't broke. Don't fix it, except it is broke because it won't do H pattern. But then I wonder if I ever want to have to actually do H pattern again anyway. That's what Greg said. He said he's done with H pattern. He's never going to try to switch it back. But the, the reason I wonder is, do I want to get another one that will do the same thing? that's supposed to be able to switch back and forth or just stick with sequential. And if that's the case, it's getting the job done. So why spend the money on that? You know, this kind of setup is where the Porsche dash really does work. Even though I always said it's too big, it's too big for my setup. Like if I had these bigger screens and I had some more distance from them, I think it would work. I mean, when you watch this guy drive, it Mike, looks just, like it's in a great spot. We lost you there for a second. Oh, I was going to say, when you watch this guy drive, it, the Porsche Dash is really in a good spot visually uh, with the with the size of these monitors and the distance he has from them. 
All right, next is an iRacing video that is a how-to on how to optimize your PC and monitor setup. I don't guess this is particularly useful if you're not using monitors, but uh, it's just more optimization, optimization tips, right? Do they talk about field of view or just, or just graphic settings? It's real basic. I mean, a lot of it is about it, you're, you're either NVIDIA or AMD. Go to their website, download their driver, you know, that kind of thing. It's for, you know, beginners. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about computers. I'm trying to get involved in iRacing. What do I do? This would be something for somebody like that to watch, you know, for a little five-minute video. It kind of walks you through how to set up surround in NVIDIA, which is something you do when you have three monitors. You use the NVIDIA software to link them together so it's like one big monitor that's 5760 by 1080. Now, I forget, do you run that or do you kind of run it more like a, a separate monitor setting? So I run the NVIDIA surround like that. But in Sim, you still can check mark render each screen separately. And that gives you better performance. I use the AMD Infinity Eye. Right. Well, while we're talking about setting up for th uh, three monitors, the next topic is all about triples. And it's uh, from Dan Suzuki, and he's teaching you all you need to know about triples. Right. So this should be the second video that Rookie should watch about triples because Dan really gets into the nitty gritty of it. Okay. He, it's not, he gets into the detail. In fact, he has you open up the app INI and actually uh, tweak your settings right there. Now, these days, you, you don't have to go into the app INI to set this up. You can do it within the sim. But I guess that's how he's used to doing it, so that's how he does it, and he shows you. Um, he talks about how to calculate your FOV, uh, what David was mentioning before. Uh, you know, there's calculators, and he talks about how he does it and how many centimeters his particular setup is. So if you want to try to copy what he has, this is a great video uh, to try to match his settings because you get to see them. And when I first got triples, I would love to have something like this. I, I don't think I had anything like this, this kind of resource where, man, I really don't know what all these check boxes are and different things. I just want to copy the settings and race, you know. I had a lot of trial and error when I first started. YouTube is your friend. Oh, for sure. And next up, we have a couple of YouTube videos that I wish Donnie was around to talk about because this is the very shifter that you mentioned he was interested in possibly getting. And it does look nice. It's a sequential shifter. Um, the first video is very uh, is definitely a promotional video. I haven't really watched the second one, which is a lot more extensive. 3D printed, a lot of it. But it has a neat quality look to it. It looks robust. 12 inches high. The core of it is still the three three D print is for, part, for some of the smaller parts. Two and a half pounds, it says. A big old metal grip with you know serrations on it, you know, so you can grab it. It looks straightforward mounting, like two screws or you know two uh, bolting points. Uh, pricing three hundred nineteen dollars. That's not terrible. It's around what I paid for mine. All right, Will Ford is back on the script. 
<laughs> yeah, this one was the VNM Simulations Sim Racing Pedals. And he said, I didn't expect this. They nailed it. And these are some load cell pedals. And um, pretty straightforward. Compared to other load cell pedals in the market, he, think, he thinks that these are a great buy based on the price and what you get for it. Just at a glance at the beginning of the video, the, it looks like the brake is very adjustable with the way it functions, getting those all those different uh, cushions in there. $650 for a three-pedal set. I like the look of, look of them. You know, Will yeah. said that as well. The straight black, not anything crazy. Yeah. You know, it is the brake that's the most important pedal, and if you you can skip to around sixteen hundred, that's the or I'm sorry, not sixteen hundred, sixteen minutes. That's the chapter that where he talks about the brake, and there's a, definitely a lot of adjustability in there. Now, VNM, I think, is short for Vietnam. I think this company is out of Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken, and they came on the scene with a handbrake, I believe, is what they started with. It does look like it has some software where you can adjust curves just um, if you want to make it uh, more sensitive at the bottom or the top of the brake zone or gas zone. It's not clear what the base plate cost. I haven't figured that out. Oh, there's a damper kit as well. Now, oh, here it is. So if you add the base plate and the damper kit, it goes from 650 to 900 Now you're getting a like on the, the little the, bit higher side. Yeah. Well. If you look, he, he was comparing them to like Heiskenveld, uh, Ultimates. Uh, he was comparing them to VRS pedals. Um, those kind of, uh, the, the, the Asetek pedals. So better than the V3s. Uh, I like that the electronics box is separate. It's not embedded or part of the pedal. You kind of mount it off elsewhere. I love the heel plate, too, uh, that that they have here pretty nice uh setup all right the next one is really great for those of you who are a hostage to a partner that uh, limits the amount of space you can have for your stuff coffeeracer.com we talked about these guys before but i think when we did it talked about them before they only had the one product and now they actually have three coffee racer go coffee racer play and coffee racer living and the differences are the go is basically a document box <laughs> is what it looks like uh and all the stuff is inside of it and then the play is like a, a rolling you know uh cabinet i guess a small cabinet and the in the living one living one is the cabinet without the wheels you know and, and a more refined top it is a clever idea if you've got limited space and really are going to have to put it in a in your living room or something and just don't have enough room even. For, but an eighty twenty really doesn't take up that much space unless you really just need it to be a coffee table when you're not racing. I just wonder what kind of market do they really have for this? Like you said, are you the sim racer that literally takes your gear? apart each and every time you use it and put it set it back up i mean if i had to do that i wouldn't do it i mean i wouldn't i, I gotta leave this stuff set up i can't be tearing it down every time no way 
I even decided that I wouldn't want to spend the effort to switch back and forth between, say, formula mode and, and GT mode, right? Right. Even, even then, I, if I wanted that, I would buy two rigs. I would have two rigs. Anyway, the, what you do is you open the box, and, and the, the wheel mount kind of swivels up towards you. And then the pedals are down in the bottom of the, the box, basically. So, Justin, did your wife get you to go watch Barbie? No, David. And you might need to help me out with this name. Viral 2? Virotic? Viral. Viral. Viral tech. Sure, we'll roll with that. Has made a Barbie and Ken-themed computer if you have been swept up by that Barbie mania. And have you went and seen the movie, David? Because I sure haven't. Uh, no, I haven't really been in the theater probably since... I don't remember the last movie I saw in the theater. I watched the Meg 2. Well, it's a pink computer, of course, as you can imagine. It actually has Barbie and Ken inside the box with like a palm tree and stuff. And there's bejewels and different things. And and uh, yeah, the, the side of the case has a big old B for Barbie on it, you know, and in the logo fashion. Uh, I've always interested in building a computer that's kind of off the wall, but I don't think I'm going to do a Barbie computer. I respect the design, just not my, just not my style. Yeah, it'd be appropriate for somebody who who's a Barbie fan. It just reminds me, and I've talked about this before, though, how crazy it is that there was a time when the computer box was completely utilitarian, right? Just usually dull gray. Never, none of this glass see-through or LED lights or anything like that. And then it, now it's um, it's more of an, a piece of furniture, right? Hey, well, you can get the your cooler, your CPU cooler, with a little display on it. And then you can program crap to play on that little display. It's cool. I never thought we would see that. That's what boggles me about computers is why do we need a little screen on the CPU cooler playing a music video? Well, I think the idea is it shows the temperature, you know, of the, of the cooler. That's what I actually have my RAM program to because they all light up and they usually stay just a little bit of a yellowish green. I've only seen them turn orange a few times. Okay, let's jump to results. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Indy road course friday open i ran p9 i got what i deserved i started 18th i actually got the ninth on lap one up to third before pitting came out seventh but had a few off tracks and fell to ninth. tony rochette he said i will continue my protest of that 2.5 mile round rectangle track till we get indycar back in iRacing and nascar brings back the oval well he's getting one of them Probably. <laughs> All right. I, Sunday open. Go ahead. I was going to say, I completely skipped Indy 2. Kind of, uh, it was just a pile on of, of school being so much busier with all the in-services and after school practice or after in-service practices and just having no interest in busting my ass for 50 points. All right. Sunday open. I think Tom ran and got a P5, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, Kyle Pendigraph P22. He said, big fat middle finger to Indy Road. Now, Kyle also told us that he contacted Lawrence over at Sim Coaches and had him help him recalibrate his pedals, and he picked up a second or something. He must have really had something wrong with the calibration then. Because, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the way I've got mine set up, it's it's pretty efficient. All right, Sunday fixed. Kyle Pendigraph, P26, started 22nd after talking. Oh, here it is. After talking with Lawrence from Sim Coaches and having helped me iron out my pedal issues, I felt confident and was excited for this race. But little did I know what was about to unfold. Ran a perfect half of a first lap and then turn seven got caught up in an unavoidable wreck and got the dreaded Italian meatball. Went to the pit right after and steering was so bad that the car whipped around and I spun on pit entry and got unsafe pit. Come on down, served my penalty and got the required repair of 27 seconds and decided to wait out the optional. And I was hoping to fix the steering fully and to start knocking out laps. Ran a consistent race to the end, finished P26. Not sure if I'm looking forward to the Glen next week. Tom Dryling, P15, started 24th. Seemed to have had a clean race for the most part. Justin, P8. Yeah, I finally got the hang of this track. Um, I practiced all week. I didn't enter a race and I asked race until Sunday. Uh, I'm still a couple seconds off. I'm, I, I need some work. I'm not as confident on road courses as I am ovals. All right, moving on to another road course, Wednesday Open at Watkins Glen. I ran P11. I went from 20th to 15th on the first lap, was 9th when pit stop cycle started, came out 7th. Quickly got loose and spun out and spun out another time and fell back to 11th. David, P9. Yeah, I avoided the early mess and just stayed clean and finished about as fast as I was. And you probably might have finished in front of me, but um, I short pitted and it was like, yeah, that was probably a good idea because I was coming up on some lap cars. But the car's handling definitely changed once you put fuel in it, man. Uh, and it got you. It almost got me, and it did get you. Because it once you put the fuel in there, and I guess either the tires got cooled off, even though you didn't change them, or just the change in the in the the weight, it was it, you had to be more careful. And so by pitting early, I, I spent more time with that ill-handling car and would have lost a couple of seconds to you if you hadn't lost control. Yeah, I leapfrogged you and another guy, I think, um, on that pit cycle. And so I was in a, I was running seventh or something when that when I spun. But yeah, a couple, it's hard. Like you said, uh, the car gets feeling real good and then you put fuel in it and it's like, whoa, it's totally different. All right, and then Justin, you ran P10. Yeah, um, I started 22nd. I've just, I need to learn. I guess on those road courses, your tires are real slick when they're cold. And I only made my mistakes the first couple laps on new tires. Uh, first lap, I spun out a couple times, ran it halfway through. I actually got tires. I wasn't as confident as my in my ability as you guys. And first couple laps, slicker. And crap and a wreck again but once i got going i was i was decent i didn't get to drive hard the first couple of laps because we did spend the first couple of laps playing dodgeball all right tony rochette p 45 minutes are required six laps in 
Started ninth, was okay till someone messed up turn one and sent me to the wall. This car sucks on the road and I like the Glen too. Chris, Chris Waldron, P7. For the most part, stayed on the track and stayed clean. Tyler Williamson, P15, started from the pits and quickly made it up to the top 20, made my pit stop and got caught speeding, 15 second penalty. Put me out 22nd, raced back up to 15th. Let's talk about a zero X, beyond proud of myself to have a clean road finish. All right, Thursday open, I ran with Greg. Uh, we don't, uh, Greg uh, finished, what do you say, ninth? Yeah, I think he finished ninth. He was in top split with uh, folks like Matt Busa, uh, the guy Myron Shelley, who keeps winning in IS races, was in there, um, and several other uh, big I ratings. And so uh, Greg basically said during the race he was running 111s, uh, like mid 111s, and he, and he could barely keep the position he had. He definitely couldn't move forward because everybody was running those lap times or faster. So Greg had a very competitive split. I mean, uh, very competitive. I was a split below him, I think. <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think he was saying at the end he was running in the 10s. And I was like, because I'm consistent 113s, and I'm like, how do you do it? He had some 10s Wednesday night, I know. Yeah, 110 9s and stuff like that, yeah, at the end I, of the race. I just missed it, I think. Well, today's race, I actually started practice about 10 minutes early. was running a few laps. I ran a 111.4 during the practice i couldn't duplicate it in qualifying though uh i ran so i qualified fifth i'm like ooh, i'm the car car number 10. i had a couple of loose moments in the first three laps and fell back to 12. now this is exactly what justin said this car is hard to drive on cold tires or right after a stop or whatever uh, and I proved it. I mean, I got loose and I had to slam on the brakes and yeah, and it sucked and I gave up a ton of track position, but made my way back up to fourth before stops started and ended up fourth after stops. Like I didn't even lose a spot when I pit it. Uh, that's how far back everybody else was. Um, it was a great run. Uh, I'll take it and I didn't look at the points but Tom told me that I've actually uh, gotten a lot closer. Now he still is probably gonna run Sunday morning, but um, I'm only uh, 17 points out of the lead now. So Tom's leading by 17. All right, other races, I uh, ran the 15th anniversary race. This time it was a Skippy at Lime Rock. It was a top split. I was car number 11 out of 14. I qualified 12th and ran, uh, finished ninth. Pretty much got what I deserved. I was not fast. And that's it. Let's jump to final thoughts, David Hall. Uh, enjoyed taking Indy off, but Watkins Glen is a lot more fun. It's a little bit more suited to my style, but I still don't have like Greg's kind of pace in this car. I just cannot figure, I figured this car out on road courses at that same level as I can figure out, say the GTPs or the, or even the GTs. Um, I just, something, it doesn't suit my style as well, though. I, it is interesting just like the ovals. I do like 
to rubber. I like the rubber on the track better because um, I'm, I'm just always catching up faster. And yeah, you don't need tires because uh, several of our, our teammates were like, we really don't need tires. And I was outrunning guys that, that took tires at the end of the race because it just the tire temperature is a bigger deal, I think, than the tire wear. I ran my fastest lap of the race, like the second to last lap of the race. And that's on very old tires. So it's true. All right, Justin Hall, uh, Justin Pearson, <laughs> your final thoughts. Uh, just trying to learn these real courses. I never really entertained them until here lately. And yeah, I'm just trying to get a little better. I They humbled me. I got a little cocky during Michigan. Michigan, I actually gained 350 I rating. I broke 3,000. So these real courses humbled me. I can't wait to get back to Daytona and Darlington. So Daytona, Darlington, that's my bread and butter. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, road courses. Wow, I, I really have stepped up. I, I seem to be getting good finishes. I won at Indy. Um, I don't have the speed like Greg does, but I know how to run these races. I have good race craft. It works. Um, so really happy to get that Indy road course race, um, win under my belt, you know, considering all these other attempts where I'm just not the fastest car, I'm not positioned to win. And it's just amazing that I got the win. I'm still kind of in disbelief about it, but uh, happy to have that on the resume. Like I said, Daytona, you know, you know me, guys. That's going to be a win, or it's going to be uh, a disappointment. Uh, after winning the Southern 500, yeah, I'm ready to go to Darlington and try again. And I always usually run top five there. So, hey, looking forward to it, and we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.